Cheers. You know what we're here to do? Back on screen today, beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Hernan. You can call me H. Here, ready to talk about everything that's going on with Austin FC, all the news surrounding this club, and some other interesting topics that we're going to get into here tonight. Now, very important that you stick around to the very end, the second part of the episode. We are going to have a very special guest all the way from Seattle. We're going to be talking to Cheyenne from Rave Green TV. Shout out, my G. We're going to talk about Stephen Cleveland, the new signing, the new goalkeeper uh, addition that we made to this team. Uh, free agent, but his last team was Seattle. So we're going to have an expert tell us everything that they know on Stephen Cleveland. Stephen Cleveland, sorry, and what you need to know on Mr. Cleveland moving forward as he wears the verde and black. Also going to talk about an, uh, an update for Danny Pereira. Some interesting stuff there that's going on with him and some of the rumors that are surrounding Austin FC, including, I don't know if this can be a rumor anymore, but the bombshell that has been developing in the last couple of hours uh, today that Johan Romagna uh, is on the move, on loan again. And we're going to tell you to what team here on tonight's episode of the Top Flight Pod. Now, before we get into the episode here tonight, I do want to send a shout out to the Patreon members. We're almost to, uh, close to 100 members, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, shout out to everybody. Y'all support is absolutely incredible. And as 2024 creeps around the corner, the new season comes around, we're already making plans to see what uh, what road trips we're going to make to bring you some vlogs, get you some awesome content out there uh, because you guys deserve it for not only being our, our Patreon members, but uh, supporting uh, the content and believing in the content that we put out. So everybody from Top Flight and We're Austin TV, thanks uh, to all the uh, Patreon supporters out there. And they got to ask uh, Rave Green TV some questions, so we'll see what they had to say there at the very end of the episode tonight. So let's get into it, y'all. Uh, starting off tonight with the potential friendly between Austin FC and River Plate that could take place in January of 2024. Now, reports from Argentina indicate that River Plate will play two friendlies in Texas for their preseason uh, from January 5th to the 20th. Now, one of those friendlies will be against Chivas and the other rival is yet to be confirmed. However, it appears that Austin FC is a candidate to take on the latest Argentine champions. River Plate, Drusi's former team. It'll be a bit of an emotional match for Drusy. It'll be awesome to see him uh, feel like a little kid or maybe in his younger days, in his, in his youth, right? We know that uh, that's his boyhood team. We know that he has a tattoo of the River Plate crest on his foot, if I'm not mistaken. And it'll be a very, very good way for him to start the 2024 season. And hopefully, it'll have his mind right after the nice vacation that all the players took. Uh, but important to note that this team, River Plate, will add to the names of uh, teams that we've played in friendlies. Well, of course, we've played Tigres, Atlas, Pachuca, and now we can add River Plate. I know one of the main questions going around social media, floating around the fans on different kinds of uh, uh, chat networks like Discord and uh, Slack was, hey, is this a good tune-up? And we asked fans on Instagram, we, we ran a poll off of We Are TV, and it was a good 90 to 10 percent, but, you know, 10 percent of Austin FC fans thought that this was not a good tune up for Austin FC. So uh, why was that 10 percent in favor of no? We'll see why they think that is not going to be a good tune up. In my opinion, I think it'll be a great way to to start the season for Drusi, obviously, you know, get his mental right, play against his, his former club, get him happy, get him all just up for the, for the season. And then for the boys to, you know, know what competition is right around the corner and uh, they need to be in tip top shape. So possible friendly in 2024 against River Play. It is from Banda Roja underscore and Seba Rur, two accounts that follow Argentine football and River Play very closely. So I would uh, keep an eye on this topic moving forward. And uh, another thing that people asked was, why not in Austin? Why is it in Dallas? Uh, well, the chatter around this is that River Plate is going to be stationed in Dallas and then Bradenton, Florida. And uh, so Austin MC could be doing them the favor and say, hey, you came all the way from Argentina. We'll do you the favor. and We'll drive up three hours to go hang out with you. And what do you think? Maybe the Cotton Bowl? Because I don't know if they'll get the AT&T Stadium. It should be at Q2. I agree. It should be at Q2. But, 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 but. If they're stationed in uh, Dallas or they're training in Dallas, mm, I don't see them making another drive to Q2 Stadium. But we'll see. We'll see. They have been here before, so we'll see what happens there. Maybe they'll they'll do the solid for Seba Drusi. We'll see what happens now. All right, moving forward, y'all, to the Dani Pereira update because LAFC no longer leads the race for Mr. Dani Pereira. Now, this is uh, – I'm going to read the tweet from uh, Thiago, uh, Thiago Brandao. Tiago Brandao, a uh, Portuguese reporter, Brazilian reporter, sorry, speaks Portuguese. Now, his tweet says this. 
LAFC has stepped away from the race for Daniel Pereira. The interest was very strong and the negotiations were even quite advanced. But in the last few days, the club has distanced itself from the player. We still don't know the reason, however, Danny is unlikely to move to LA. Now that was from Thiago via Twitter or X, whatever you call it. Now, the interest was first reported by Warehousing TV. We did say that five teams were interested in Danny Pereira, LAFC being the one in the lead. Thiago now confirms that they are distancing themselves from Danny Pereira. So what's going to happen with Danny? We know that he's not going to LA. Um, there was reports of uh, possible Charlotte link. They're, they weren't even top three. So he's not going to Charlotte as of what we've been told right now. And there was also rumors of Columbus. There was rumors of Miami, New York City FC. So where is Danny going to land? As of right now, it is not something that we know. It is just going to be pure speculation. But things have been quiet. And right now during transfer season, I know that if Neff was here tonight, he'd be saying that anything can happen. Tomorrow things could change. In two days, things could change. So I'd keep an eye on this situation right now. I know that it's uh, it's ongoing, developing. So where is Danny Pereira going to play in 2024? I would hope it's Austin MC. I think he's a fantastic, marvelous player. His stats speak, speak for themselves, playing over 2,000 minutes for Austin FC. We're going to miss him whenever he leaves Austin FC. But I've also already made kind of peace with the fact that this kid is going to be leaving Austin FC sooner than later because he's very talented. He knows what to do with the ball. He breaks lines. He's already getting call-ups to his national team. And Venezuela is in a great moment where they could make the World Cup for the first time in their history. Now, if Dani Pereira is part of that group that makes that historic moment possible for a whole country, I mean, stock is just going to go up. Now, unfortunately, I don't know if we'll, we'll be able to reap those rewards for Dani Pereira's stock going up and up and up and up. So maybe one of the reasons why he has to leave now this window is so that we could get something out of it. Like, example, a trade or everybody likes to joke about it, but some gam. But we'll see what happens with Dani Pereira. As of right now, we know that LAFC no longer leads the race for Dani Pereira. So we'll see what happens there. Now, uh, moving on to this is uh, something that has been ongoing. This is a bit of a, a flirty situation. The Funes Mori rumors are back. Now, journalist Jorge Iturralde recently teased the topic with a bit of a cryptic tweet. Now, George said this on Twitter. He says, what would an Argentinian twin look like dressed in verde? Now, Funes Mori does have a twin. And fans immediately knew what he was talking about. So, Underneath that tweet, they started posting GIFs of Funes Mori, photos of Funes Mori, tweets of Funes Mori, this and that. You get it, right? Uh, so I want to ask the fans that are listening to this. I mean, listeners out there, do you think Funes Mori would, number one, fit the system here with Josh Wolf as coach? And is he worth the investment at 32 years of age? Because often the striker position is criticized at Austin MC for being uh, not productive enough, but also for being kind of old when we're talking about soccer terms. Now, 33 32 is still a very young man, you could say, but in soccer terms, I mean, it's the back end of a career, and the MLS is changing every, every year. It's just getting better and better, and teams are getting better at that position, and it seems like Austin FC, or at least a lot of Austin fans will agree, is that we just haven't gotten better at that position, and 2024 needs to be a much more productive number nine season. We'll see what happens there. Uh, now, some stats for Funes Mori. In 2023-2024, the most recent uh, Liga MX tournament that just ended, he had uh, 17 goals, 2 assists, over 1,100 minutes played so far in the Liga MX recent season. And in the 2022-2023, which is in the other Liga MX tournaments because they did two in one year, uh, he had 38 games, 19 goals, 3 assists, over 2,600 minutes played, and that was in Liga MX, those two tournaments, the Clausura Apertura and the League's Cup. So... At 32 years of age, this guy's still scoring goals. He's still banging them in. Part of a very expensive Monterrey squad. So, I don't know if he would come to Austin FC. There has been rumors of him going to Gremio in Brazil. I know that the Brazilian league is going to be very powerful next year. They're getting a lot of good players. Uh, but, <sighs> I don't know what's going to happen with this guy, Funes Mori. Jorge wouldn't just tweet something out there for nothing, right? So, we'll see what happens. Where Funes Mori will land on in 2024. Now, moving forward to... Something a little bit bigger, bombshell. Something that has been developing in the last couple of hours. 
Club Olimpia and San Lorenzo after Romagna. Now, this has been a topic for some days, but the interest of San Lorenzo, which we're going to get into here bit by bit by bit, ha is the, the piece developing in the last couple of hours. Now, recent reports coming out of Paraguay had Johan Romagna going on loan again, ladies and gentlemen, in 2024. But this time, there's two teams that were reportedly interested in him. Now, one, of course, being Club Olimpia of Paraguay and the other one San Lorenzo those are the two two teams as the title mentions of course right now Club Olimpia currently has Romagna on contract until December 31st and wanted or wants to extend the loan for 2024 but the process is complicated due to financial reasons that the club currently faces and we've we've stated them in spaces and in other podcasts before that we don't have to get into here tonight but Olympia is currently facing some financial issues so that's really the main obstacle in keeping a player like Johan Romagna now in comes San Lorenzo San Lorenzo enters the chat uh, San Lorenzo of Argentina uh, they've entered the race for Romagna and reportedly was ready or is ready to offer Austin FC around 200k to secure the player Johan Romagna on loan for the 2024 season with an option for purchase after the deal expires. Very interesting there. They're very keen on signing this guy, Johan Romagna. A lot of people in, in South America are very interested in signing Johan Romagna. And a little bit of an interesting detail here, side note, it's caused a lot of Austin FC fans to wonder to themselves if he's valuable in South America, if, 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 if people chase him, if they're after his, his services, why is he not working in MLS with Josh Wolf? Why? That's a very interesting question. Now, the information was first reported, very important, by uh, Leandro Alves and Refuerzos Casla, also Bruno Pont. Now, this um, the two-team horse race was all developing December 25th, so on Christmas Day. So it's very important to note there. Now, we fast forward to today, Wednesday, December 27th. Uh, at around 4 p.m. Central Time, I'm going to say. Erwin uh, Velasquez, a journalist that covers Olympia, and Adam Benlazes here from Austin, who is in our Discord, by the way. He's also a writer for Area Sports Network, confirmed via Twitter that Romagna has verbally agreed to join San Lorenzo on loan with an option for purchase, a fee rumored to be around 1.8 mil. Uh, very interesting there, that 1.8 uh fee seems a little bit high football critic did kind of break it down a little bit but uh that's where we're at right now now you can ask yourself why didn't it work out for johan romagna should he have been brought back uh to austin fc well a lot of fans had different takes on it you know we have to be we have to be real uh some fans wanted him to stay other fans you know they understood that johan romagna was not going to see minutes here but uh in the end He's most likely, looks like it's just a matter of San Lorenzo being cleared to sign uh, an international player. It looks like he's going to be joining them 100%. Now, uh, John Romagna is a guy that's a fantastic person on and off the pitch. Uh, he's a great guy with the fans. He's a great guy on the pitch. I don't think he's ever gotten into an altercation on the field. Uh, and you could say that you're sad to see him go, but... Some fans will tell you that they're sad to see him go because he's finally going to get, uh, you know, that consistent PT. He saw it in Olympia where he shined in Copa uh, Libertadores. And I, that's one of the main reasons why a lot of these teams are after him in South America because of, of what he showed in, in the, those games. Now, in the post that we have on Instagram, uh, Robert P. Allen says, I don't mind stacking that cash as long as we have a good plan for it. So fans kind of in favor of jo uh, Johan Romagna going on loan to San Lorenzo. Now, uh, Dustin Weiss 99 says, considering they have done little to address the need so far and we are in dire need of center backs, this would make sense. Kind of like signing another goalkeeper. <laughs> so maybe a bit of a jokester there. And then Honorary Balsack says, we should take it. Can use the money to find another center back or maybe a guy who does great out in wide spaces. So, just like you heard there, some guys, some fans, happy to see Johan Romagna walk out the door if it means that we're going to get something in return for him. Uh, reported 200000 is what San Lorenzo is willing to send to Austin FC for the services of Romagna. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, maybe some of you are asking, hey, who is San Lorenzo? Who is this team? Where are they from? Well, uh, full name, Club Atletico San Lorenzo de Almagro. Interesting there. Their nicknames are Los Santos, Los Cuervos. Austin FC fans are going to know that nickname. El Ciclón, Azulgrana, Los Matadores, Gauchos de Buevo, 
Boedo, I'm sorry. Uh, they were founded April 1st of 1908, so that makes them 115 years old. Their stadium ground is Pedro Bidegain, Bidegain, Bidegain a capacity of 47,000, almost 48,000. Their current chairman is Horacio Arreceigor. Manager is uh, Ruben Dario Insua. They play in the Primera División. In 2023, they finished third place. Very important to note there. And the last time they won the league was in 2013. So very important uh, there to note about San Lorenzo. I think that was the last time they won the league in 2013. If I'm mistaken, my bad. Y'all can check me on that. But Johan Romagna rumored to be going there. We'll see what happens. Like I said, I think it'll be good for the player. He'll get his consistent minutes there. Hopefully at the end, he not only improves himself, but he impresses them enough to make them send a nice little fee back to Austin FC so we can use that money to build off of. Because really, Johan Romagna y'all, is part of the Austin FC 1.0 squad that we had with the uh, Claudio Reyna signings and the Josh Wolf signings and I don't know if you can credit that to Sean Rubio because he came into the picture a little bit later but this is now Rodo's team and this is part of the rebuild that a lot of fans have been talking about a lot of people on social media have been talking about so uh, this is something that we saw with Nick Lima this is something that we saw with Diego Fagundes this is something that we might see with Danny Pereira you know this, this Austin FC 1.0 squad that we're trying to just turn into GAM or turn into different pieces in order to build that 2.0 squad that will lead us into a title. Now, I'm not saying that the players that could be leaving out the door w are not capable of a living a leading us to a title, but they're assets that the FO, the coaching staff, are most likely going to uh, act on to you know, get the most that they can either in GAM or in different acquisitions like trades, especially in the MLS. You know how it goes, but... Uh, we'll see. Now, we touched up on Club Olimpia, San Lorenzo's interest for Romagna, the Funes Mori rumors, Dani Pereira's update, the potential friendly between Austin FC and River Plate. So, without further ado, I think we can get into the interview with my G, Shayan from Rave Green TV. So, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Let's go. All right, y'all. We're back. As promised, like I was teasing at the beginning of the episode, we got my G, Shayan, all the way from Seattle. Rave Green TV in the building. Number one, the prediction god. I mean, you made it all the way to the last eight in the MLS playoff bracket. Uh, first of all, how are you doing today? And defend that title. Why should people know you as the prediction god? Welcome to Top Flight, bro. Thank you so much, Renaud. I mean, that was an intro and a half, boys and girls. I mean, I... I think my prediction God status will be solidified at least till the, the start of next season. Obviously, I get some things wrong, some things I get right. But, you know, if you have a prediction, I want you guys all to know to defend it with your heart because you never know if you'll be right or wrong. But I appreciate that. And I'm I'm excited to, to be on a, a top flight episode and to be talking with you guys. And, yeah, I'm really I'm really pumped. Definitely made it. You know, I only knew to reach out to one person because when something happens with Seattle and Austin FC, I mean, the Seattle expert that I go to is obviously Rave Green TV, Cheyenne. So if uh, anybody listening to this wants to keep up with Seattle Sounders news, highly recommend you follow the page Rave Green TV. However, they did have a very controversial tweet towards the end of last season that had me making calls day and night trying to get people from not going after this guy. So Rave Green TV, my G Shayan, controversial guy, but some of the best Sounders updates out there on social media. So do yourself a favor. If you're a Seattle fan, make sure to check out his content. And not only Seattle, I see you got the Team Melly Iran jersey back there. Tell tell people a bit of your a bit of uh, about your background, bro. Like what is that what is that about? Yeah, so I mean <clears throat> both my parents are Iranian, so big Iranian national team fan. Obviously I grew up in the US, but like I'm a first generation like Iranian and so uh, that's like a, my other passion is not just Sounders but the Iranian national team obviously MLS I love I've been watching MLS for since like 2012 it's like over a decade now that's so weird to me because when I like the league was young when I started watching it wasn't really a big thing and you know my other passion was Iranian football and Iran is like a very historic national team I didn't know that but a very historic national team I've had a lot of great like very accomplished players. I mean, there's like Ali Dai, Ali Karimi, Mehdi Matakia. I mean, a lot of Javad Nekuna, Masud Shojai players that played in La Liga, Bundesliga. 
I mean, international record goal scorers, I mean, have done crazy things and stuff. That's another one of my passions. I love the Iranian national team. We have a lot of great players. I mean, right now at Porto, for all the Hispanic followers, I know you guys have a lot of those. I mean, there's Jorge Sanchez and Mehdi Taremi at uh, SC yep. Porto. I mean, at um, at Feyenoord, there's Santi Feyenoord. Jimenez and uh, Ali Reza Jahanbash. They post a lot. Of, those guys have, like, a really good friendship off the field, too. I always see them posting with each other and... So, you know, for me, I always was a big, I always was more leaning towards Iranian football, like the Iranian national team compared to the U.S. I just never really got into like the U.S. men's national team as much. I mean, I grew up in an Iranian household, not very like Americanized. So, of course. Yeah. All right. Well, a little bit of background there from Maiji Shayan from Rave Green TV, just in case you're wondering, why does that guy have an, Iran, an, an Iran jersey in the background? Very important, the pronunciation. We saw what happened with, uh, who was that in the interviews? Um, Tyler Adams, that uh, yeah. controversial, was it post-match or pre-game? I think it was uh, like, yeah, pre-interviews before the match in the World Cup. Yeah, that was so annoying. It was just dumb on so many levels by it the reporter. Crazy. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that in my life. But hey, soccer soccer is, is, is big like that. And we saw it right there. But we're here tonight to talk about one man, my G, Cheyenne, and it's Stephen Cleveland. The big news around Austin FC right now, uh, it might not be too big for Seattle Sounders fans, but for Austin FC fans, it's kind of kind of hectic right now in our universe because the goalkeeper situation, man, I mean, it, this, this signing really throws everything out of whack. It kind of just almost eliminates a big portion of what we thought we knew going into the season. And it leaves you wondering, well, hey, who is going to be the starting keeper or the for sure backup? of 2024 now that's some things that we have to touch up on here tonight uh we have some questions from our patreon members uh Cheyenne, that you're going to answer here at the very end and some very very good questions that that they have for us uh here in the store on the top flight pod here tonight but before we get into that i'm going to read a little bit of the press release if you don't mind now this says austin fc announced that the club reached an agreement to sign free agent goalkeeper stefan cleveland Cleveland joins the Verde and Black on a two-year guaranteed contract through the end of the 2025 MLS season with an additional option for 2026. A quote from Rodolfo Borrell says this, We're happy to add someone of Stefan's caliber to the talented group of goalkeepers on our roster. He'll be a very strong addition to our club and our community, and we look forward to welcoming him to Austin. Once again, that was Rodolfo Borrell, or you can call him Rodolfo Borrell. Now, some little stats here, some information for everybody. Cleveland, age 29, made his MLS debut in 2017 after being selected by the Chicago Fire in the second round of the MLS Super Draft. Uh, during the initial two years of his professional career, he gained valuable experience on loan at FC Tulsa, formerly Tulsa Roughnecks, in the USL Championship, simultaneously making five MLS starts for Chicago. Now, moving forward in 2019, Cleveland embarked on a loan spell with USL's League One's Lansing Ignite. Showcasing impressive form from uh, impressive form with seven clean sheets in 22 matches, contributing significantly to the team's second place finish following his successful loan spell. Seattle Sounders FC acquired Stephen Cleveland through a trade. After that, now the pinnacle of Cleveland's MLS career so far came in 2021 when he achieved personal best in starts, which is 15 uh, of 1,300 minutes or just above that minutes played, three shutouts, 29 saves throughout his four seasons with Seattle. Now, Cleveland amassed four clean sheets and made 61 saves across 24 matches. And a lot of people won't care about this, but for the MLS sickles out there, his college his college career or his college journey uh, includes a, a three-year stint at Dartmouth or Dartmouth College. Dartmouth. Where he earned, Dartmouth, where he earned uh, Ivy League Defensive Player of the Year honors in 2015. Now, Shayan, I talked way too much there. I'm rambling there just a bit. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw on social media that Cleveland was coming to Austin FC? Yeah, I think actually as much as you might not think it's uh, it's not big news for us, it's not necessarily big news for us, but in regards to like players that we did, you know, for our uh, roster decisions, that was probably the biggest one. That was the one where fans were splitting in opinions was with uh, Stephen Cleveland because some fans might think maybe it's time for a new guard in the goalkeeper position because as great of a season Stephen Fry has had, what, he's like 37 now. Like, he is really up there in age. And some fans, like, with the cameos 
Cleveland has had, like you mentioned, his best season, I would say, I think in all of his career so far was in 2021, where he got a long stretch of games because Fry had a long-term injury that year. And Stephen Cleveland held it down really well. Granted, we were really good in the regular season that year, but I'm not to discredit Cleveland. I think he played a good role in that. I mean, to jump right in, to help us win back-to-back-to-back games. We were undefeated for the longest of time in that season in 2021. To not keep Cleveland to just straight up like be like, yeah, we just won't exercise anything for him. He's he's done. He's out of contract was kind of surprising for fans. I would say it's like a 30 70 split. I'd say of 30 percent of fans were like, maybe let's start giving Cleveland a go because he's not young, but he's not old. He's like almost 10 years younger than Fry and he's had minutes under us. He's been part of our goalkeeping group. So it's like it would be an easier gelled to bring him in. The fact we're just like, you know what, we're just going to stick with Fry. Uh, if Jacob Castro or Andrew Thomas, those are our, like other backup goalkeepers, but obviously below uh, Cleveland in the pecking order, I guess we're going to trust them to be the backups and maybe take the mantle. I mean, I've heard uh, uh, Brian Schmetzer has had high praise for Jacob Castro, who's like our third slash fourth string goalkeeper when he played for our second team, the Defiance. So maybe they want him to be the, the backup for now to Fry, and maybe he would prove his worth. But I don't know. I was a little bit surprised, too about the news with uh, with Cleveland. And I think even some Sounders fans were too. And some Sounders fans were totally cool with giving uh, Cleveland the mantle, like letting this be the opportunity where we slowly transition uh, the goalkeeping department. So just to flat out be like, yeah, you know what? We're not going to – we'll let him go to Austin for free. I was – I think some fans were pretty surprised about that. Interesting, mate. Now, you talk about the fans and what, you know, kind of like what their reaction was from the Seattle side. Well, I'm going to read you some comments uh, that people left on our Instagram post when we announced that Austin FC had picked him up from free agency. Now, this is from Grump underscore E7. He says, why? This is a bad move to me. Even if they got rid of Bersano, Law should be allowed to compete for that number one spot against Stuber. If they wanted another keeper, it should have been a younger one that would replace Loss and Austin FC too not an older one that's going to keep loss in the second team. you have any reaction to that comment? It just depends on where you stand with Stuver, because I think Stuver's the big anomaly in this situation. Because I know last year Austin FC2 won the MLS Next Pro. And so, mm-hmm. and I think when St. Louis, they won it the year before they came into MLS. So they did have some players that were a part of, like from their MLS Next Pro 2 team, that were a part of their this season for them in their inaugural year. And then, you know, some teams have kind of brought in a lot of the MLS Next Pro goalkeepers. We saw it, I believe, with Cincy, I believe with Columbus. They're all really young goalkeepers. Again, don't quote me, but for one of those teams at least, all, a lot of teams are starting to bring up some of their players from uh, pro t- the, the MLS Next Pro teams that they have. And Austin, of course, were the champions. And Austin had a bit of a slump last year. So maybe you'd think there might be some chopping and changing within Austin's younger group from uh, Next Pro. But maybe as well, maybe the Austin front office might not be favoring uh, any of their Next Pro players. And that maybe includes Loss, who was your guys' goalkeeper last year. Interesting, man. Now, just uh, one more comment from from this post before I go to another post that I want your opinion on. This is uh, Frankenballer. He says, as good as he's been, I doubt Stuber has as much trade value as loss. I was really looking forward to Damien being our first team number one in the coming seasons. This move doesn't make much sense without trading a goalkeeper, though. I'd rather trade Stuber. Nothing personal, but the fan base would see that as yet another betrayal by the front office. So... Uh, moving forward to a post that we had about the 2023 stats. Now, this is a big talking point that had a lot of Austin FC fans going back and forth, bro. And we need some context from the Seattle side. Now, uh, we did go to social media with a graphic that had uh, Cleveland's 2023 stats, where he it shows that he played 408 minutes, uh, five matches played, 15 goals conceded with no clean sheets. He featured in MLS, U.S. Open Cup, and the League's Cup. Uh, and that had a little bit of Austin FC fans riled up. Uh, Four Martin Seven says, same dude that got scored on four goals by a no longer existing team. Uh, Huddy 001 says, he has to be third string and we get rid of Bersano or Stuver because loss is too good. Uh, let's see, moving forward. Somebody says, pointless. Someone says, waste. Uh, uh, some other fans said, can he compete for a starting spot? Check out those stats. Who put zero clean sheets on there? Like it's a brag. So we need a little bit of uh, a bit of shield for Cleveland 
what can Seattle fans say in defense of these stats of 2023? Because on paper, Austin fans are not excited. But if you analyze some of his work throughout the season, he's had some massive saves, some very nice instinctive saves where he gets down so quick and makes you wondering, how does the keeper of his height get low that quick? So is there a bit of defense coming from the Seattle side that you can give Stephen Cleveland? Yeah, I think I, I don't blame any of the Austin fans' reactions. When you look at Stephen Cleveland's stats, it's nothing great. It just looks like, you know, he's just like some just below par MLS goalkeeper. And don't get me wrong, I'm not like I I don't I'm not like a Stephen Cleveland stand where I'll be like I'll ride or die with Stephen Cleveland. But there is definitely mm. context behind it. Sounders are really up and down last season. I would not look into Stephen Cleveland in 2023. I'd look into him in <clears throat> 2021 because that's his longest stretch of games he has. And I don't think it's fair to ever judge a player and they start some games. Like, it's a stop-and-go type of thing. It counts for strikers, midfielders, defenders. You need a stretch of games, and you get an actual sample size of how good or bad is this goalkeeper. And with the opportunities Cleveland had, we were sadly in a rough patch in a lot of those games. We... Sounders have not really been that good in cup competitions, Open Cup, Leagues Cup. We got bounced out in almost the early rounds in every competition, and I spoke about it in my season review. And sadly for Cleveland, and I don't think it's he's at fault at all in any of these situations, you know, we played bad in all of these opening cup games, and that's the games he gets some opportunities in because it's like, okay, we're going to throw a B team. What, are you going to expect Steve, Stephen Cleveland to stand on his head when we're playing a bunch of young kids in front of him, like players that don't normally play on the first team and all that? Like, I don't know. I just, I think when he has played, he's gone opportunities. He's done well. He's made saves. I think he's not really that bad of a goalkeeper. I think he deserves a shout to be a starting goalkeeper in MLS. He's proven himself. The times he has gone with the Sounders, he's played really well. I mean, he's convinced part of our fan base that they're willing to give a chance on him to be a starter over Stefan Fry, arguably one of the, if not one of the top three greatest, at least goalkeepers in MLS history. So it shows that he's not like a scrub. He just hasn't gone like a good run of games. And I think that like, for any player, you need that run of games. You guys all know for backup goalkeepers, they're not going to get much opportunities unless the goalkeeper has a long injury. And he did in 2021. And I think he did a good job for the most part. The life of a backup goalkeeper is very tough. Yeah. Because you don't know when you're going to get called up on. And when you are called up on, you're expected to perform like the guy that you're about to go in for. You know, so uh, maybe some uh, merit right there for your uh, points that you've been making, mate. Now, uh, I went back and I was analyzing the performances, the, you know, the matches that he had in 2023. Uh, the the match ratings that SofaScore gave them. I know different websites will give you different numbers, but this is something to go off of, I guess you could say. And some some notes from each match that I put to the side. Now, starting off with the 6.5 match rating versus San Diego Loyal in a 5-4 win at the U.S. Open Cup took place April 26th. Most of them were golazos that any no keeper could have saved a lot of those shots, you know, and even that he made some really impressive saves that game. Uh, but MLS veteran Joe Corona really shined out that game. Banger free kick, I think one or two assists. But looking at those highlights, I mean, it was a five four and some of the goals. It's a good game, a great game. And then that fourth goal that San Diego scored. I mean, oh, my God. Something of dreams. What a strike. Uh, now, moving forward, a 5.8 match rating versus the LA Galaxy and a 3-1 loss. That was in the U.S. Open Cup, May 10th. Memo Rodriguez, a familiar name for uh, for Austin FC fans, he had a brace that game. That was enough to obviously defeat Mr. Cleveland. Uh, it was a curler shot and a corner kick spill in the box that the LA Galaxy took care of, they took advantage of. But 5.8 match rating there. Now moving forward, a 6.6 .6 match rating versus Vancouver. Uh, that was in a 3-2 win in July 8th, MLS League play. Now this game, he had some insane saves. That was his but best poor, game. Poor defending by Seattle on set pieces and from a Vancouver goal kick. They were ju they just one-on-one -on -one versus Stefan. That was hard to save right there. Uh, now, 6.2 match rating versus San Jose. 2-0 defeat July 12th, MLS League play. He's never saved the PK in his MLS career. And Christian Espinosa does not uh, miss from, from that freaking spot. Uh, and he got a hand on a, on a volley from about eight yards out, but... You know, it wasn't enough. Wasn't now, that, I couldn't get... 
Wasn't that the goal that he conceded with one of the goal of the year candidates was that game too? Uh, not, couldn't have been this game. Cause these were, these were two average goals. Okay. never mind. Maybe it was a different San Jose game, but these are okay. two very average goals. Now the match rating versus Monterrey in the league's cup, I couldn't, <sighs> couldn't find it. So I'm going to ask you what happened in that four, two defeat. Cause y'all were up. That was, we got outclassed that game. That has nothing to do. Okay. That is zero. Re- I'm, I'm trying to, exp- I, I want to explain to fans. We were not good in any cup competition we played in none. We got bounced out in the first round of the Club World Cup. We got bounced around in the early rounds of the Open Cup. We got bounced out in the group stage of the League Cup. We got bounced out in the the beginning of the single round elimination <clears throat> in the playoffs. We didn't play well in any cup competition for Fry or Cleveland. It doesn't matter about the goalkeeper. But League Cup, bro, that was a disaster. We were already we already got clapped 3-0 by Salt Lake with Fry and goal. It doesn't that was just defense. We got outclassed. It was men against boys in both of those games. Now you say the 6.6 match rating versus Vancouver. You say that that was his his best games. Why do you say that? Dude, the amount of saves he made in that game, Insane. clutch saves. Yeah, he made some really great saves in that match. And that was the game where fans were kind of like, uh, maybe is it time to give Cleveland a go? Like that was the really one like, okay. Th- it was like I don't know. I think that was the game where like the heads were starting to turn, being like, maybe is it time to start thinking about. I don't want to put words in everyone's mouth, but some fans were like texting me, being like, "Hey, maybe like, dude, this is the type of game like I liked, I like I saw from Cleveland 2021 that made me think maybe is it time to start changing goalkeepers?" And it's not any shade against Fry. Fry's up there in age, and I want Fry to leave as a hero, not the villain. I don't want him to have a bad stint as our goalkeeper. And so, I'm cool with either or of them. Like I was totally fine with either or of them. But that was definitely Cleveland's best game against Vancouver. He played super well. And that was a game where Sounders were in bad form. And if he doesn't make those few saves that he made, some world-class saves, I think that game would have been a whole different story. Completely agree. Now, in the Monterrey match, I forgot to mention this. Uh, in the first goal that Monterrey was able to put into the back of the net, he makes a great initial save. But unfortunately for him, the bounce falls right to the striker, and they're not going to miss two times from inside the six-yard box. But, I mean, this guy, I, I noticed that he makes great instinctive saves, like I mentioned a couple uh, minutes ago, but his reactions are pretty top, pretty top-tier reactions. He's tall. You know, uh, he's creeping 30, but we all know goalkeepers get better with age. So uh, a lot of fans were wondering, like, hey, this guy is not going to come here to be number three. He's looking for number two. And you were even telling me earlier this week, like, hey, why would this guy leave number two to be number two somewhere else? Like something's going on there. And a lot of the the Patreon members uh, kind of touched up on, on that topic. So would you mind if we got into the uh, questions next? Let's go. Let's go. All right, moving forward to questions for Rave Green TV from our Patreon members. So shout out to them. Starting off with number one. You ready? Drum roll. We don't need one. We're good. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Question number one says, can Stefan play it out the back or are we in for another season of bloopers from the keeper? Um. I don't think Sounders are a team that necessarily – like, we do play out from the back. If anything, I would argue that Stefan Cleveland was a little bit better at playing out of the back than Stefan Fry. But then again, there is one game, and that was the only game that I thought Stefan Cleveland ever played poorly was in the game in 2021 against the Timbers at home. We could have swept them in the season. We already beat them twice in Portland, and we could have swept them. But Cleveland has a really bad mistake at the end of the game, which – and makes it end 2-0. And he had a bad mix-up as well for Yamar for the first goal. And that was the only game where his distribution was bad. But it happens. Everyone has an off day. Sadly, I wish it wasn't against the Timbers. But I would say his distribution is pretty good. Yeah, I don't think you should have much issue. I would argue I think it might be better than the, all the goalkeepers. I mean, I think it's better than Stuvers. Mm, I don't know. Stuvers been he's he's been playing out the back for three years now so hopefully he's pretty good at it by now but there are some times where he commits these mistakes that fans are left wondering Stu what are you doing there so I don't know very interesting to see if if Stefan is better than Stuver with the ball at at their feet maybe they might be on the same par I don't know but I think he's not I think he's pretty good because Seattle's known to be a very fluid structured team and he definitely knows how we like to play I'm not saying we're like a Manchester City, Pep Guardiola play out of the back. When we need to clear it, we know when to clear it. Like we don't for sure. force force that method, but we can, he can play out of the back for sure. 
Okay. All right. Now moving forward to question number two, this says, uh, I'm wondering what are some of the traits and knowledge he has learned on past teams that he feels can benefit Austin FC and his time here? Not to, it's, it's not question. to throw any shade at Austin at all because you guys are still a young team, but I think he knows what success is. Okay. He knows what a successful setup looks like, a successful organ like organization. And again, not to say Austin's not that, but you need a few players that have been a part of successful teams just to have in the locker room, to have on the field, because he knows when like shit hits the fan, what do the good, the winning teams do when things are not going well, you know? And mm-hmm. I think he's also worked under, as I've already mentioned, one of the best goalkeepers. He's the only, I think, player. In MLS history, to win everything is Stefan Fry. He's won everything. Yeah. And the fact that to be a part of that group where dude, Seattle has only had three goalkeepers in their franchise history Casey Keller, Michael Spruning, and Stefan Fry. And the fact he was a part of that mix, that group where it's the same goalkeeping coach of Tommy Dutra who's created so many good goalkeepers. We have Tyler Miller, if you guys remember him. He was one of our backup goalkeepers, too. We sold him to LAFC, and he was a big part of their success in 2019, where they won the Supporter Shield, part of their expansion season 2018. Some fans might think this could be a Tyler Miller 2.0 situation, where we're letting go of the backup goalkeeper that had potential, and he might do bits at another MLS team when given the chance. And that's what happened with Tyler Miller, for example. More for some for an example, it's more recent. Obviously, now he's had a lot of bad injuries and stuff. But when Tyler Miller was given the chance when he went to LAFC for their expansion year, his first ever game was at home against Seattle, and he kept the clean sheet for LAFC in their first ever game. And funnily enough, we play against you guys in our opening game next season. And that's what I'm saying the weird stars are aligning. Hey, they say history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see, man. Really good answer there. I like the I, I like what you brought up about the whole keeper situation. How Seattle has had a very tight group in their history. That's a very interesting take there, bro. And I mean, I, I knew who to call. I knew who to call, bro. Rave Green TV. All right, moving forward. Uh, question number three says, uh, "Can you ask them, Rave Green TV? Can you ask Rave Green? Sorry, can you ask Rave Green TV why he thinks they let Cleveland go and re-sign Fry, who is older and probably making more?" What's the play behind that? I feel like you kind of hinted it on that a bit earlier in the in the pod, but you can answer it again. You know, why why Fry? You know, he is older, I, so why Fry? I don't know. I mean, it was honestly, in, in my eyes personally, the goalkeeping position was not something I was super worried about. It's not, I don't think it's Seattle's biggest concern. So I was really indifferent of, would you let go of arguably one of the best goalkeepers last season? But then again, he is like 37, 38. Like, I don't want Fry things to end sourly for Fry, kind of like what you're seeing with Rui Diaz, a little bit what Mm -hmm. we saw with Ladero. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want it to end on a bad note where we see Fry making – because when things get bad for a goalkeeper, it gets bad because they're the goalkeeper. They're the last line before the ball can go into the back of the net. And if they make mistakes – it doesn't look a good a compared to a forward who makes mistakes or a midfielder who makes mistakes. The goalkeeper, you cost them goals if you make a mistake. And so I think the, the play with them is I think they're just going to rate Jacob. I'm, I'm guessing Jacob Castro, who is our third slash fourth string goalkeeper. They rate him more to be the backup. They're just like, you know, I mean, like at the end of the day, we had four goalkeepers. We had so many. And you have to let one of them go. And they're like, you know, with Cleveland, he's on a bit more money, of course, because he's a backup goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, Cleveland deserved a shot to be a number one somewhere else. Like, he deserves that opportunity. He's proved it to us. And sadly, Seattle were like, we're going to stick with Fry. He's done it for us. We're going to give him another two years. And that might be the end of it. But I maybe Stephen Cleveland wasn't willing to wait another two years. That is a good point. Like, what was his situation like what did he want in his career now two things um you touched up on the four keeper uh situation austin fc currently finds himself in that situation they're wondering hey who's gonna be who's gonna be let go somebody has to go we love stuver we love damian lost because of what he can become and what good keeper go what good goalkeeper he already is and then you enter cleveland into the mix who some fans know he's a great keeper know he's a great backup he hasn't really been seen as that number one but know that there's potential there and the odd one out of the group, I you know, no 
disrespect to the guy, but I think Bersano is going to be the one that's going to be heading out the door in Austin FC. Now, there is rumors of him, not rumors, but there's little links, little shouts or whatever, speculation, fan fiction, that he might be going to Dallas after some posts from his wife on uh, social media. But uh, but just like y'all's situation from the past, I feel like Austin FC has to let somebody go, and Bersano is going to be that guy. So we'll see what happens there, bro. But moving forward to the next question, on number four. It says, looking at the amount of goals conceded in a relatively low amounts of games played, is there any context to is there is there any context to it? Singular bad performances, defense failed him, or what happened? So I guess we're talking about the stretch of games he played last year where he conceded so many goals. I mean, I think we yes. kind of talked about it. Is where we did we could kind of touch up yeah, on it. Yeah, but like, I think Sounders fans can. <laughs> we were good defensively some games, but games when we would score goals, we couldn't hold it down seattle struggled in so many facets last year games where we could hold it down keep that nil nil game we couldn't score to save our lives but then games where we could score goals for fun we would concede goals for fun we had no consistency and i think that might come down to tactics i think maybe and i'm pointing a little bit towards the fingers towards brian schmetzer our head coach in that regard could be because of individual players, as I mentioned earlier. I think Rui Diaz is not the player he used to be. Ladero is not the player he used to be. Morris is very inconsistent. We just didn't have consistent goal scores. In our defense, there's only so many times a, def- a perfect defense. We're talking like a PK, Puyol, Albiol, whoever. They're not going to always keep clean sheets, however great they are. Thanks. And when it comes to Stephen Cleveland, I mean— I think every game that he played, I think he played well. Granted, yeah, he conceded a lot of goals. I think he made the saves he had to. A lot of those goals were just extraordinary goals. I I, really I don't were. think you should look into the amount of goals he conceded, more so what he was able to do with the shots that were taken at him. I think is the more important part you need to look at. So you think it's maybe uh, bad reporting on stats by uh, the graphic designer of Warehouse TV? No, 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 no. Stats <laughs> obviously tell a part of the story, but... I think with Cleveland, I can tell you guys, if I was an Austin fan, I would be excited about this move because I think Stephen Cleveland's a guy that makes things interesting in a really good way for Austin. You guys could have, don't look at it as a negative with maybe Stuver might not be your number one. And I know he's a cult hero for you guys, but again, I'm looking at this in an unemotional stance because I couldn't give a rat's ass about Stuver and I couldn't give a rat's ass anymore about Cleveland, but you guys have an interesting mix and an interesting opportunity to bring in a different type of goalkeeper that has MLS experience, has been a part of a very successful MLS organization and team, and has been under one of the best goalkeepers in MLS to possibly have a new fresh number one at the helm. Cause obviously you guys have always had Stuver, but it's always hard to let go that the first love. And that was the same thing for Sounders fans when Casey Keller said goodbye and hmm. You know, for Austin fans, I would be excited about this opportunity because Cleveland, if you guys give him the opportunities to shine, I think he could be a really good goalkeeper in your guys' future at that club. I mean, you've heard some comments that I've read here tonight, but there were some 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 fans that came out and they were very, very critical of this signing. Well, you know, I'm going to get to the next question, but uh, they felt like the club and club owner, Anthony Precourt, kind of messed with their emotions a bit because they did drop the famous Verde Smoke now, when the club owner, Anthony Precourt, drops this this Verde Smoke gift tweet, it means that a new player is coming. Now, in previous times, it has been, you know, big name pedigree players that, you know, like a Drusi, Rigoni, like a Zardes, you know, you know, get people excited. You know, oh, th- th- these names are recognizable. So when there was a gentleman, a backup goalkeeper, Stephen Cleveland, when it was revealed on Christmas Eve that this was the the new signing, I mean, I don't know if it was more of fans being upset that it wasn't a big name player like a striker player, or the fact that they're genuinely upset that it's a like a backup goalkeeper like uh, Cleveland. But I agree with a lot that you're saying here tonight, man. I mean, I think this guy is something to be excited about, and he does add something positive into our goalkeeper mix. You know, I mean, we're it's 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 only it's only healthy to get better. You know what I'm saying? And Stuber, just like you said. Stuber is a is a hero for Austin FC, but looking at it in a non-emotional way, a non-emotional point of view, this guy adds competition to the mix, and that's healthy for this group. It really is. So, all right, man. Now moving on to maybe a bit of an easier question for you here tonight. Uh, the pre, the, sorry, the best pregame eats near Lumen Stadium, Lumen Field. Where do you eat? 
Um, well, for me, I I don't really eat much uh, before games. Like, I don't really, like, do any tailgating or anything personally. Just me and my dad go about two hours before the game. We usually stop by. There's plenty of them. It's like a Brazilian coffee shop. It's called Catanda. It's in Seattle. It's in cities near Seattle, like downtown. We just get, like, a nice maybe a Brazilian latte and then, like, a an acai bowl. I, eat, I try to eat kind of healthy because at the stadium, the food's not, like, relatively the most nutritional so that's something i would get i think that's a good uh pre-game eat or if we're really feeling ourselves near downtown seattle as well there's a place called lac lacana it's like a central american restaurant where there's like honduran food el salvadorian food guatemalan food so maybe we get a little pupusas and then maybe some tajadas and okay. that's if me and my dad are feeling ourselves. But yeah, we usually don't like getting food in Seattle because I don't think there's a lot of great restaurants that are fairly priced. So we go to cities very close to it. So those are the two staples, in my opinion, of things we like to go get before games. There you go, y'all. You heard it here first where Ray Green TV, Maiju Shayan, likes to eat outside when he's feeling himself. Yes. Important to note. Now, question number six says, would you consider Stefan Fry a good role model for Cleveland? And have you seen any similarities between the two goalkeepers? 100%. I mean, yes, already to the first part, is he a great role model? Yeah, 1,000%, bro. Stefan Fry, he also, okay, also to talk about Fry, he wasn't like a, for Sounders fans, we were in the same boat as you guys. Like, if, like, for example, if Stu forever leaves, like, Fans had harpings on Michael Gushburning, and I got the chance to speak to Michael Gushburning, who was our goalkeeper after Casey Keller. Where fans were like, this guy's not it. Like, dude, he, he's taking the mantle from a great goalkeeper of Casey Keller to this. And even when Gushburning left, fans were like, oh, this Stephen Fry guy is so – he's not good. He made mistakes too. Stephen Fry made a lot of bad mistakes. Obviously, he went past that hurdle and then obviously became an MLS Cup final MVP when we won MLS Cup in 2016. But no goalkeeper transition was necessarily, like, squeaky clean smooth, like a nice slice of butter. And I think there are similarities between Cleveland and Fry. I mean, one, their names, their first names are the exact same. They're both Stephens. And so there's already similarity number one. And, I, yeah, I do think there are some clutch factors with Cleveland like there is with Fry. And I think Cleveland has helped us out in a lot of sticky moments. Obviously, we haven't, like— it wasn't our starting goalkeeper for winning CCL or winning any major trophies, but when you watch Cleveland play for a backup, fans have no complaints about him. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was a little bit of a head scratcher. It's probably our biggest head scratcher so far. It's like, wow, we really just let him go on free agency to to Austin. I think, as well to Austin fans, to touch upon your point that you made earlier about how they were kind of disappointed with the signing, and I get it. I mean, Sounders fans are in the same boat. We haven't made like a splash signing in years, and like you got Pedro we, coming up. Well, hopefully, yeah, if that gets all locked up soon, we should have Pedro coming in. But, like, in my eyes, I've never seen a right formula where you bring in a big European goalkeeper in MLS. You want someone within MLS. I know there's Berkey most recently, but for the most part, kind of like the supporter shield curse with winning MLS Cup, there is the anomaly where LAFC, like, won it. But Mm -hmm. for majority of the time, you want a goalkeeper within MLS. You don't want someone that's a European goalkeeper that's coming here because it usually doesn't always hit for some reason. But with Stefan Cleveland, I think you guys have something special, man. I'm going to keep bringing it back. I think this is a good thing for Austin, be it if you want to move on from Stuver, be it you got a hungry goalkeeper that's chomping at the bit where Stuver knows, oh, shit, I can't have any more bad games because I have mm-hmm. a guy that – is not here to be the number two. He is here for certainty. I can guarantee you guys, Cleveland is not there to come as your guys' number two. He is there to become Austin FC's number one. And he's going to prove himself with any opportunity he gets in MLS. Now, you kind of answered the last two questions there in in that kind of, uh, that Stefan rant that you just gave. And I want to kind of unpack it there just a bit because you mentioned something that instantly rang bells. And it's the fact that Stuver can't afford that many mistakes anymore now last year you know and maybe the year before that when Stuver did commit some you know spills at the back with his feet or he you know you know uh came out poorly with a throw into a teammate or whatever but we looked around as Austin FC fans and we were like hey Stuver is the best thing we got in goal so I mean do you trust Tarbell do you trust uh Bersano who have been backup keepers in the in the past for Austin FC, and the answer is honestly no. Fans would rather ride it out with Stuber, but with this signing, it changes things. Now you have oh hey, 
Stuber, guess what? Cleveland's right there knocking on that door. And just like you mentioned earlier, I mean, can he fight to be number one? And that's the the last questions that I had here. It says, in your opinion, do you think Cleveland can fight for the first spot here in Austin over Stuber and the promising Damian Loss? Because that's another name that Austin FC fans are entertaining right now is Damian Loss, uh, MLS Next Pro MLS Next Pro Goalkeeper of the Year. Uh, probably the main reason why the team even got to the final in the first place. I mean, historic, not historic, heroic in penalty shootouts, heroic throughout the whole season. I mean, fans are really giving this guy a shout, Damian Loss. But in your opinion, I mean, can can it be at the end of the season, Cleveland number one, Stuber number two, and then Damian Loss number three because he's still young? I would argue that it, it would be... In my opinion, Stephen Fry, uh, Stephen Fry. In my opinion, I believe it should maybe be Stephen Cleveland to be number one, and maybe Damian Loss at number two. Because in my eyes, I, I think Stuver might be the odd man. I would Stuver. get rid of Stuver. In my opinion, I think with Stuver he, again, he's getting up there in age. I would, I would give more of a chance to Cleveland. I would give more of a chance to Loss because, like, he's already proven like losses. Good. He's a, he's a keeper that has a he's above MLS next pro now. Like he's one he helped you guys win that that league. He helped you guys. He was the best goalkeeper in next pro. And mm-hmm. Stephen Cleveland is a guy that's chomping at the bit. And Stuver's kind of a guy that yes, I know he's been with you guys since the beginning. But at some point you just gotta let it go and be like, I mean, Austin's roster, in my opinion, needs a slight refreshing in certain areas, especially defensively. In my eyes, wouldn't you want to have a guy that's more hungrier, chomping at the bit, that still has more room to go- grow, that has has a good foundation? But with Stuver, I think it's just this is it. You're not getting, you're not gonna gain anything else from Stuver. If anything, you're gonna be stagnant and then might see little dips here and there. So boop up, boop up. Like with Cleveland, there's still room to grow, and because he's never been a number one, so this could be a huge opportunity to be your first defensive piece, make loss your number two, a guy that could be an understudy to that, and could still be chomping at the bit at Cleveland, being like, hey, I'm still here, and you can play your Open Cup games, your League's Cup games if you want to take that risk. There's plenty of competitions now in MLS where you could give loss those first team minutes, maybe not in MLS, but maybe you might have a midweek game and Cleveland might have a little niggle. Then you play loss. But with Stuver, there's no more room to grow. Why not give the guys that have the growth factors that could improve your team? And that's just how I look at it. I like it when mm. it, it's okay to have some veteran pieces, but I feel like Austin FC has that in certain areas with DeRussi up top, with uh, Gallagher up top, with uh, if Ring stays, Ring in the midfield, whoever it may be. You guys have pieces, I think, of experience in certain areas. But in the in the goalkeeping department, I think you might need to freshen up. I think Stuver's a good goalkeeper. I think he is, and I'm not saying he's a bad one. But maybe just it's okay to let go too. It's okay. And hey, if if you want to make Stuver your number three, I don't think it's a bad move either. I think loss is more potential. I think I don't think Stuver would take that. I'm not saying he would, but I'm saying if that's how it's gonna have to go, that's how it's gonna have to go. But I would maybe rate if, if for Austin for something fresh, something new. Maybe you give Cleveland number one mantle. You give Lost the number two. You have a really good goalkeeping chart there, and they're all young. They're only going to get better over time. Interesting take there. Now, I'm not going to lie. I did hear one or two Austin FC fans with that similar take. Like, hey, Stuber is not going to get any better. We should get the trade value for him as soon as possible because he is what he is. And we have two guys. Well, one guy for sure. Cleveland is, uh, you know, he could be still on, on, on the up, like we're saying. But... You know, I've heard Austin fans say something very similar to what you just told us right now, Make Now, uh, I think you answered everything pretty well. Uh, hopefully that our Patreon members are con- are satisfied with the answers that you gave them to their awesome questions that they gave us. Shout out to them for that. But uh, I just have one more question for you, mate. Now, this was maybe a, a, a personal one, but it's it's about Cleveland or whatever. But I'm going to put it into my notes. Uh, what was his relationship like with with Fry? You know, like, was there any, was there any bickering back and forth? You know, like this guy wants my job. What was that relationship like? Because there's going to be a lot of competition. How does this guy deal with it? No, I think Stefan Cleveland's a good guy. Like I had the opportunity with one of my very few in real life interviews with Sounders players. I got to interview uh, Cleveland and Fry together. 
Mm. I was telling him before the recording, I was like, oh, what do you, when you guys introduce yourselves, do something funny. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, no problem. Like instantly, right from the, they didn't even have to think about it. And I was like, I'm here with, and like Stefan and Stefan. Like they just like, they didn't say like Fry in Cleveland. They're like, oh, we'll just be funny and just say each other's first names. Hilarious. And um, no, I think he's got, he's a really, he's a really good guy. And I, I don't think we've ever seen anything where like, when Cleveland got his opportunities, he took his opportunities. He was never a guy that would be outspoken. And if that was the case where at the end of the season, he was like, you know what? I want to be given a chance as the number one. If Sounders were like, no, it's not going to happen. He didn't make a fuss about it. And I think they did have a good relationship between the two of them. Mutual respect, I would say. I and like so that. I don't think that would be an issue for Austin at all. Well, I was – bit excited. I'm not going to say I was super excited when we got this guy, but, you know, I was like, all right, what is Rolo Borel cooking? But now, based off the answers that you gave us, some of the stuff you were saying, uh, the stats we were going over, you know, I, I have a bit more of uh, enthusiasm, I guess, excitement for, for, for this signing. I know that it's going to be for the better of the team, and I know that as much as we love Stuver, as much as he's been crucial for us and, and, and clutch at moments, but... Uh, there are times where we're where we're wondering, like, hey, Stu, where's your head? It's not in the game. And hopefully something like this brings healthy competition because that's really the best for everybody in every position. Not just I was going to say this is a win 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 situation for Austin. Like this is such Correct. a like either you get a fresh new goalkeeper that is younger, that could be better. There's more potential. You have something fresh in the defensive area. You drop down that age. Uh, mm -hmm average for your starting 11 or as well you just have a like a really good backup goalkeeper that has been a part of the sounders that has been a part of a winning organization and then as well like you guys are just having a another depth piece where you guys didn't have before so it's like there's a lot of good factors in this signing it's a it's a really low risk high reward type of situation he didn't pay any money for cleveland he was a free 100%. Like you're not gonna lose anything from him. Hundred percent. He was on two hundred grand last year, but you know that 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 goes against the cap budget and yada yada yada. So, but all right, my G Shyam from Ray Green TV. Thank you so much for your time for being here tonight on the Top Flight Pod. Uh, the questions were at, were answered superbly. Appreciate your expertise on the Seattle Sounders. Now, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you, where they could follow your work? I mean, I'm sure maybe some of them might have seen you after that controversial LAFC tweet. But if they haven't, where can they find you? Um, yeah, you guys can just find us Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Brave Green TV. That's it. Just look us or, up, whatever you prefer. What about next gen? Non existent. No, oh, okay. <laughs> right now, right now it's just chilling. Yeah. Okay, all right. All right. Project later for later uh for a later date. Right now, follow yeah. my G on, on Rave Green TV on all platforms. But all right, mate. Now uh, before we let you go. Prediction for y'all's home opener. It is against Austin FC. Wow, dude, this is so early to talk about. Oh no, I don't early know. Prediction. <laughs> oh, early prediction, dude. It's because you want me to. You you want me to be in the mud because you want to already ruin my prediction god status. No, 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 no. I am embracing <laughs> that you're that you're the prediction prophet. I don't know God, but you're the prediction prophet. I think Austin has only ever had one win against the Sounders, and that came in that most recent game at home last year. We were awesome. But shocked. Seattle, yeah, we we've never actually lost you guys in Austin though, which is, I think is so crazy to think about. Yeah. But in Seattle, we did lose to you guys last time. It just depends on the moves the Sounders make, and it depends on. Fuck, dude, I don't know. It just depends give me your on early how number. the. I know, but the thing is, it depends on what happens at LAFC game. If I see a different team than I've seen from years past in LA, I think we'll beat you guys. But if we don't, I think it's a draw. I don't think we'll lose to you guys. I don't think we lose home openers. We don't rarely ever do that. I actually predicted a draw. So the yeah. fact that you said draw makes me feel really good. I, I said that we're going to get four points from our first three games. A win at home against Minnesota. We could get a draw on uh, on the road at Seattle. And we'll probably lose against St. Louis at home. Those are our, our first three matches. Minnesota wow. at home, Seattle away, St. Louis at home. I see four points there. Bold. I, mean, I know. I know. I know. There's still a lot of things that, that have to happen, but I'm going with four points. That's crazy. We'll see. I think it's going to be like a 1-0 Sounders win or a 1-1 game. Uh, I, I don't think we'll lose that one. I don't think we lose home openers, honestly. We've rarely ever done it. I'll take yeah. a draw. 
right. Well, my G, Shayan from Red Green TV, thank you so much for being here and talking to us about Stephen Cleveland. I know the fans appreciate everything that you uh, that you let us know here today. And we'll be linking up throughout the, as the season goes on, some more collabs. So expect us to drop out some more videos. So I'm Hernan. That's my G, Shayan. Have a good night, everybody. And goodbye from Seattle. Ciao.